0: (laughs) So at 7 metres out, Australia needs to try to win the game, Cobain takes the line out, Australia trying to drive ahead, Gregan again, and Larkham, Kefu, Welcome back, and we've got another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast here for you this week, and we're going to get straight into it. I've got Leo and Toby hot on the line. They're ready to give their feedback. We'll start with Super Rugby, Aotearoa round six, and, boys, the big news, Crusaders went down at home to their Southern Ireland rivals, the Highlanders, and it wasn't just a close one. This was a smacking Thirty-three to twelve, the Highlanders take down the Crusaders, and it wasn't without a little bit of controversy for this Highlanders team early in the week, was it?
1: No, uh, a team coming in disrupted what with a few players missing out uh, on being named after indiscretions during the week. Uh, got key guys like said Tomkinson and Joshuaani. Yeah, um, you know to. It's. I mean, it's. I guess it's the right thing to do for the for the management to make the point that they're not going to put up with people who aren't giving their preparation, you know, the full full effort, full uh, focus. But leaving those guys out in a game which is always going to be a huge challenge was a big call. And uh, you know, the the guys they brought in, Michael Collins had an absolutely bl- absolute blinder of a game um, amongst the Highlanders side. Um, th- these guys just again full of belief can play from behind can play with little ball turn uh, this game around had most of the ball and just kept racking up the points and 12 points for the crusaders that's that's unheard of at that's, home yeah, i can't yeah, that's that's, insane, I, the, the, hey, I haven't looked like, it, looked back but the last time they scored 12 points or fewer at home must be so long ago that's really out of character
2: i think we're on seeing the, the real positive effect of Tony Brown on this team already from a cultural perspective. He's obviously placing a lot of onus on that. And, you know, the guys were aware of that. They broke protocol. So then they pay the price for that. But it, you just see that there is that resolve within the team. They do have depth to actually push through and probably caught the Crusaders off guard a little bit, I'd say. Mm. Um, given how heavy they were as favourites, you'd think maybe the Crusaders thought this would be a bit of a walk in the park.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I was more than ready to come out here this week and be like, guys, is Super Rugby Arturo just boring these days? Like, is Super Rugby AU the more exciting competition? Because you don't actually know what's going on in this. Whereas the other across the ditch, it's still the Crusaders just every week, just demolishing opponents. And I mean, the fact that the Blues have lost to the Chiefs as well as the Crusaders does mean that there's still a little bit of mix-up and it probably means the Crusaders are still going to end up on top, but this does just, it does illustrate to me that all these teams have the ability um, to come out and on any day, one team can probably beat any of the other teams if, if things are going right for them and it's just going to make things
2: even more amazing
0: because this week we, we heard about um, the Australian-New Zealand bubble and the Trans-Tasman Cup, it's probably going to go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, Arch, I think the New Zealand competition this year has been quite heavily dominated by good defences. So there's there's been a bit more stifling on point scoring, attacking, um, prowess in games, whereas in the Australian competition, you'd probably seen a bit more free-flowing games and more attacking options the, the Australian teams have been using. So it's probably made that competition a little bit more exciting. Um, and the, as you just said, there's, there's more parity in the New Zealand, New Zealand competition. Um, so you're getting results that are probably, apart from the Crusaders up to this point, a little bit unexpected. I think the Hurricanes, for example, look like a pretty decent team, but they've got one win or something, don't they? they they're yeah, they not way kind way. of, yeah. Whereas I think, although the Australian competition maybe has been a little more predictable in overall results, I think the the type of play has been overall a lot more exciting to watch.
0: How do you feel about, like, the Blues obviously came back this weekend. They got the win against the Hurricanes. They really needed it. Um, it was still a little bit of the Geordie Barrett show early on in this game, and it took the Blues a while to get going. In the end, it took probably what was a controversial um, refereeing decision, and I, th- I don't know, I think there's been a bit of a blow-up, at least over here on um, New Zealand Shores, about it. Artie Savia um, got got pinged for apparently taking down a mall that he'd sort of got through the middle of and the Blues player was um, diving for the line, but apparently he took that down, got a yellow card, got a penalty try and that really sort of kept the Blues in this first half because they didn't have another point really until the 39th minute with a penalty goal and that's what sort of kept these teams level and then it was really the second half that the Blues sort of found a little bit of that exuberance and found a little bit of that outside pace.
1: Yeah, I think the Blues are still uh, learning to live without Bowden. Like that's maybe been what's held them um, off the same pace as last year. But they're starting to see guys like Perifetta come forward and and play a a more dominant role, help set up some of these try scoring opportunities. Um, Interesting that Robinson got the call to start at six, he's been immense off the bench the last two weeks, involved yeah. scoring tries, like just being a freak. So uh, definitely pushed his case forward pretty hard the last fortnight. So good to see get a chance, and um, again, yeah, another really strong performance for him, forcing Youarning onto the bench. So yeah, Blues maybe starting to find some momentum. The card sides of things like that stuff happens. You don't want the howlers. Um, you know they didn't they didn't use their uh, their their review to try and to turn this one around. And I guess if, if it was truly such a howler, perhaps that's what should have been done. Um, the, the, the thing is that you can't rely on having a perfect game from the ref to get you through. And, and really the, the Hurricanes stayed pretty close in that first half. They certainly weren't out of the game at halftime. So in a clean second half, you'd think a good team, the better team will win. And the home team was stronger on the day.
0: Do you find it interesting that um, they lose two or two, and then their next option of as captain is to promote someone from the bench? Do you think there's is there a lack of belief in some of the other players in this team, whether it's because of their props changing sort of names every week, or people like Otiria Black or Rico Iwani not being ready to take on that sort of extra role in this team? Is there a lack of leadership?
1: Not necessarily, like. Again, like you've got someone like Barrett who steps away for the season. He's he's an obvious senior player. A lot of these guys are up and comers, and and they're probably mostly focused on just their own personal game and their combinations. They don't have a um, a really senior, long standing halfback, which is often an option as well. Um, they started Sam Nock this week um, with Ruru coming off the bench. None, neither of those guys, I don't think, have been captains previously. Um, Robinson, you know, that that's just an example of having some, some seniority, some experience on the bench for later in the game. Mm. So, you know, you start rolling those guys on, you can afford to sub your captain. If you have to, you bring on some senior players who will direct the team around, not just to bring on some B, you know, some B graders, some second tier players. Um, if that's where you find your senior player and there's a guy who's, you know, probably pretty vocal at training as well. Um, that, that may be where you find them. I don't, I don't think that's. You know, completely. It's not a crazy. on them. No, no I don't know. Like again, just looking at the team, like maybe, maybe Papali'i um, would be viewed as a as a leader of the future. But if he's not ready, he's not ready. And and Robinson's been around for a while. Uh, like I said, he's had a couple of really big games. Obviously, you know, big big team. Oh, I, like you can I see like the way the they play around him.
0: Flaming flaming captain coming in and leading. The red.
2: Team. Big red. Big red. But if you look across this team, I don't think there's a huge amount of. There w- There aren't guys that I look at and say, well, he is a standout captain. They just don't seem to have some of the veterans, some of the real leaders that you would see in an all black setup. Like Shungafasi's there. The two props have never really been in consideration for captaincy, I don't think. And they're just not consistent starters. They're not always starting. Yeah. Right. Like, and Hoskins Satutu is kind of. Only really emerged in the last couple of years. Yeah, couple of years. I think he's a guy who he's he's already played for the All Blacks. He he's touted as kind of the future number seven for the All Blacks. So maybe I would have thought that he would get that opportunity, but again, maybe he's not of that Sam Kane, that kind of Richie McCaw mold of of leadership as well as um, play at number seven.
0: Speaking of Sam Kane, obviously we heard about the injury late last week after we recorded. Um, the pectoral injury, very similar to what George Bridge had last year. We'll keep him out after surgery for about four to six months, so he's likely to miss the entirety of the international season of 2021. All Blacks captain coming forth in in rugby championship, or or the internationals later in July. I mean, Ardie Savea has already been asked if he would be one to take on to that role because he's obviously captaining, captaining the Hurricanes. He's probably first in line to get a shot at that number seven jersey. You talked about um, Papa Lee potentially being a candidate for that number seven jersey. Is there anyone else that you immediately springs to mind as someone that could be captain? I mean, to me, maybe... Sam, I
2: mean, Sam Whitelock. Yeah, I mean, you can throw clear, to Sam. Throw I think to Sam. he was... There was a chance he was going to get a captaincy before Sam Kane actually was named captain to take over um you know it's it's obviously more of a short-term role you'd think sam kane will be back so maybe you go to one of your real veterans there that actually is kind of already so experienced in that sort of role around the team
1: yeah like an aaron smith as well like could obviously pick up the reins you would think assuming he's the first choice halfback i guess uh you would you would think he's, yeah. he's right there so yeah yeah I, I think there's a couple of guys who uh You know, maybe can act as a as a stand-in, much in the way the Waratahs, you know, moved to Newsom from Jake Gordon. You know, that's you know the next most senior guy out. Veteran. Um, You know, would you comparing with the Blues, would you rather have um, Robinson come on and be captain, or have Newsom out on the wing as your captain? It's a long way from the action.
0: I mean, I know I would prefer to have Gordon and that pretty much brings us nicely into Super Rugby AU and obviously the Waratahs welcomed back their Captain Supreme, Flash Gordon, in there at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Friday night. They hosted the Brumbies and it literally was the Brumbies running in a few tries early and suddenly it looked like the Waratahs couldn't defend um, anything out, especially out wide on the wings And then it all sort of switched. That The Waratahs got a bit of go for it. They had a few of their young men and a few of the people returning. Angus Bell obviously back. their young locks in there. Fichetti and Parisi in the centres again combining well. They made a real game of this, man. They were what? A conversion away from tying this up at full time. They end up missing it and I mean, you can hardly blame Will Harrison for the sideline conversion not quite getting over, but Man, it was an exciting game down there at the SCG. Twenty-four to twenty-two, the Tars just fall short, losing their coach the week before, but they found a little bit of passion. They found a little bit of culture, maybe boys. Don't you, know you reckon? Don't you reckon that looked like a little bit of passion coming from the Tars?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, we'll, we'll never know what would have what would have been like. Um, full, like, closer to full strength, Waratah's side. You get Jake Gordon back, you get your, your best centers in,
0: and, oh, you, good and with you have Jake
1: Gordon, though. Like, yeah, man, he, he, just, he was,
0: he just rallied the team around him, man.
1: Absolutely. And, and look, credit, <laughs> credit to um, Grant, who's been really good, um, in his absence. But yeah, uh, it's just, Jack there's Grant, just nothing absolutely. like having like a, a near international quality fly uh sorry scrum half near international Um, well well he's not he's not the best international He is an international shouldn't say near but you know jay gordon is a very good half back and you can see the difference and you can see the leadership um and you know the just the cohesion that the waratahs showed in this game and some of that maybe comes from the um you know did kept bounce of you lose your coach and, and suddenly, you know, what are you playing for? Well, you're not trying to impress the coach anymore. You're just playing for pride and for, you know, you, you yourself, yourselves as a group, um, the Waratahs team, and particularly Harrison, like I love, love the centers combination. Now, like this, this is definitely their strongest combination. They're getting real penetration against a good defense in the Brumbies, but Harrison, Really lifted in this game and and started, you know, really creating things. And it just talked about the line
0: a lot more, right? Like,
1: he he, did, yeah. And I I was at home with our parents for this one. And all I could think is, what would the world be like if, uh, you know, sliding doors moment, Harrison goes to the Brumbies and Lolisio goes to the Waratahs? Would Harrison be having such a rise as Lolisio and the Brumbies because of the environment and the the momentum that team? I, I feel like Harrison is. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely getting fewer opportunities in the Waratahs group, but I hope that that starts to change.
2: Yeah, I, was, I think you're dead right with that, Leila. Like Harrison had a great game. I think that combination with Gordon just gave, gives him so much more confidence. He was looking more like Bernard Foley taking the ball to the line there. Um, and yeah, I think he'll just keep growing. He just needs a, a decent pack in front of him as well to get some ascendancy. And speaking of which, I think the Fords just really stood up here. Jeremy Williams particularly, I think, was great. Max Max Douglas as well. I mean, coming into the game, not having um, Lachlan Swinton there, not having Jack Dempsey there, I thought, you know, they're going to get absolutely rumbled here by the Brumbies. But those two guys, you know, as pretty – as a locks as you could ever pick, really, come in and just have absolute whales of games just everywhere – um, you know, Williams got that charge down at the end to to get the try for... Yeah. Absolutely. Ketty picked it up. And I think Angus Bell as well had a great game coming back into this Waratahs lineup, And, yeah, there was just a good balance to the way the Fords were doing things. They were all standing up and doing their individual jobs well. And if they continue to play like that, they will compete well in games. But you wonder if it was just the freshness of such an emotional week, you know, They'd obviously had those chats with the assistants coming on and, and really probably had some honesty sessions about what was going on and maybe that was the inspiration for this performance. It's just whether that can kind of continue on and whether they've gained some real confidence out of this performance.
0: There's been some chat this week because Angus Bell is not actually on contract for next year and the fact that there may be quite a few super rugby teams that are interested in, in paying that man a lot who is already being touted as the loose head uh, wallabies prop for the next world cup. Um, And they, these a mobile guy, obviously they want to get him on books. How much do you think the Waratahs need to make sure they keep that, that boy like in Sydney and keep that boy as your sort of like stalwart in your pack almost.
1: I think having someone like that's really important. Um, So I would say, He's like absolutely, they should be trying to lock him up if he is the right guy for them. Now, through his performances, he certainly seems like a fantastic player. Um, but Waratahs have these culture sort of considerations, and, and Gus Bell seems like a great guy, so he's I'm sure he's a good fit. But you know, all these things considered, the Waratahs have had a bad habit of you know recruiting and keeping people who maybe were the, the wrong mix, and it didn't didn't really gel. So Um, they absolutely need a person like that. And I reckon Gus Bell probably is that guy. But that would be the only thing. Like, you, you do have to consider you shouldn't just keep everyone who's a potential star. You've got to think big picture. I
2: mean, he's a former captain in the junior ranks for the Wallabies. He's, you know, for a prop at that age, the way he's performing is just outstanding. I think between him, Jake Gordon and Will Harrison, they're the three that you really need to build this team around um and Gus Bell given he probably has a good decade if not more um in in an Australian jersey ahead of him I think he has to be almost the number one priority to re-sign. and that's really difficult when you don't have a coach in place there's a lot of uncertainty about their roster going forward they've already lost a huge amount of players last year and the year before and it looks like there's still a few to actually go so is that really giving him confidence that this Waratahs team is going to be competitive in the next yeah. two or three years? Is he feeling that, you know, he's better off going to somewhere like the Reds who could probably use a, a loose head prop of that kind of um, real well, high level. You might
0: have talent. the of front row. If Murphy makes, exactly. makes hooker his own, suddenly you have Bell, Murphy, Tanella.
2: It's, it's pretty tempting when the Brumbies have been able to balance quality props there in a rotation like system for at least a couple of years now so that, you know, that would give you confidence that they can manage your workload down there and having the quality of coaches they have, you know, you can see why it's enticing for him. I mean, I hope it's obviously not just about money because the Watertowers have money to spend. It's about what they can offer in terms of overall setup for the next, you know, three to five years of his life in Australia. And you've got to hope that he doesn't leave to go offshore now because that would be, Obviously, a travesty That'd for the Wallabies,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, domestically Super Rugby as well. So hopefully, does stay in Australia, even if he does look like leave the Wallaroos ultimately.
0: The other thing we saw on Friday night was the return of Tom Wright, and God damn, did he prove that he's a Wallabies caliber winger with the acceleration, the vision, breaking through the line. It was really good to see him back. And I think, I think he showed something that I don't think we really see from a lot of the other wingers that we have in Super Rugby in terms of, yes, he still has that turn of pace, that speed, but some of the vision and some of the elusiveness, I'm not sure we, we quite see with Marika or even Dalgunu Nuvonuvali. He just some, has something else about
1: him. I don't know what it is. What is it? He's, he's not pure pace. He's he's like this elusive, but but strong mix. Like the way he positions his body, his footwork down the sideline. He just he he can he can keep his momentum going and hold tacklers off. Like yeah, the way to tap dance down the sideline. It's balance. Yeah, it's it's, it it is it is balance, and it's it's something like that. Which again, the the vision's there. He can he's he's predicting what's coming, and he's getting himself in a position because he's not going to be. A Marika, where he's just going to beat you with pace. He's not going to be um, like one of the Kiwi wingers who's just a big bullocking ball of muscle that's going to barrel you over. He can kind of do those things depending on who's trying to make the tackle. But he just—it's like he—it's like he recognizes what he's going to face in that contest with that defender, and he's just yeah balanced and and ready and and adjusts to suit, and he seems to get his. You know, he gets his arms free for offloads. He's got the kicking game. He's got the vision. He's, he's pacey enough that he's not just, you know, a slow 10 on the wing or something. Like, it's just a really well rounded, balanced player um, who I think is probably going to be hard to find a a really big weakness on. Like, you you won't, you won't um, chip him for, oh, he can't catch the bombs or he's slow. We can, we can outflank him. Like, he's just, you know, Maybe, maybe even like a, like a two dads in his day, like just pretty good at everything and that little bit of X factor and special that he just, you know, brings out when you really need it.
2: I agree with that. I think he's, he's rugby smarts and his ability to finish on the end of tries like that, I just think that's something that you, it's hard to teach and maybe he picked up a little bit of those skills in his time in rugby league briefly for Manly. But I think even Muirhead was doing it in this, this game. And it's in a different way, it's being more elusive at the line with footwork, but mm-hmm. Wright does have a way of kind of keeping his balance and poise himself to put a ball down. And I was surprised he didn't actually get it down for this other try where his leg was just out. Um, but you see that instant impact. To come back and have such a strong impact on a game when you've been out with injury for that period of time, just pick things up so quickly and look yeah. like you haven't missed a week yeah, I think absolutely. just speaks to his quality. I think Rennie sees him in his long-term plans. And again, it's a guy who hopefully doesn't go offshore because there are some rumblings that he could be looking at some bigger bigger money contracts overseas. Yeah, could easily see that. So obviously
0: the Brumbies, like, you're right, like they're back three, like Banks, Muirhead and Wright, like early in this game, just absolutely outstanding Um and it was probably more impressive that the Waratahs held held their sort of forwards and maybe their centres a bit more at bay in this game. Um, compared to what the um, Reds and Rebels were doing down there in Melbourne, I'll be the first to admit that I tipped the Rebels to win down there and it was not to be. Um, the Reds started off strong and it was just... I was surprised the Rebels got back close enough, but... Hunter Paisami, Tony Tuba. It's the names that we keep saying week in and week out. These guys are just showing their prowess. And we we picked it. We said that maybe Patea needed a bit of time back on the wing and that's what happened. And Hamish Stewart had a great game at 12 as well. I don't know what Paisami's best position is anymore. It's, is it 12 or 13? Is he just good enough at both? Like, I don't know.
2: I think a few of the commentary team think he could be better at 13 because he, he has the kind of ball skills to actually open up his his wingers and his fullback. I still think he plays, from what I've seen this season, and obviously the sample size for 13 is smaller, but being at 12, I just find he gets the, his hands on the ball more frequently, and with his direct running, I think he, he offers that sort of deception, but he can also break a line as well. So I think at 12... He can bring his kicking game in more more often um, and his little passes that he can offer as well. And I just think that, you know, Ikitao at 13, I think is still the prospect that we want to be going with rather than Hunter Paisami at 13. But you could argue that, look, if it's Tamua, then it's probably going to be Paisami at 13. So it depends what combination the Wallabies want to go with. I think for the Reds, Patea's just been off colour most of this season um, and maybe spending some time on the wing or actually clear his head a little bit. He'll, he won't have to worry about as much um, in defence and can really just focus on his own game a little bit more. So maybe that's the best thing for the Reds going forward into this final series.
1: The It's really lucky because Hamish Stewart's been so consistent in the past at 12. They can just drop him in there in his 50th game um, and he didn't look out of place and he did... Enough of what Hunter Paisami had been doing at twelve to contain the rebels, uh, sort of in the inside backs, and then you just let Hunter take over, read read what's in front of him in defence, and you know he, I reckon watching that intercept try that he scored, that was all him. The way he's been pressuring Tamur when he has been at twelve in the previous game, and then just just you know the defensive pressure on the rebels. Tamua has looked up early and gone, okay, Paisami's lining me up here. I'm going to start drifting out a bit and Hodge will throw me the overball and, and I'll have gotten around him. And he won't get a good clean hit on me. And yet, you know, the, they just didn't execute it. And in the end, Hodge throws the ball that should have gone to Tamua running a straight line, not a shifting line. And Paisami's drifted enough that he can cover Tamua, but he's also right there to scoop a ball up from about knee height and run 60, 70 yeah. metres. Outstanding. So, you know that's a combination of defensive pressure, um, not just not just disrupting, um, you know, players in tackles in the ruck in the mall, whatever. It's it's a whole almost um, like mental dominance on a team that they start you know making adjustments based on where you're defending yeah, to avoid because of the you. contact. Yeah. yeah, like I reckon there's there's a piece of that in there. Like not reading too much, but Tamu doesn't want to get. Melted by Paisami too many more times. Um, so in trying to avoid that, Paisami's actually created another opportunity and he's capitalised on it. And so, you know, can't say enough good things about him. Great to see Hamish Stewart back in. He's a, he's a toiler and he works hard and he's a good player. Um, and the Reds, that way, do get to put uh, Patea out on the wing. They even had Dalgunu on the bench, um, gave Hegeri a bit of time at fullback. They looked really solid and set. Um, and just the way they they ran up the first twenty four points in I think it was eighteen minutes, um, it was like it was more than I expected. I, I thought this would be a hard defensive battle at the start. The way the Rebels have been starting their first twenty has been really really strong, really um, physical, um, and they just they just didn't get a grasp on this on this first quarter at all. The Reds just had them out by twenty four, and and they did do well to stay mentally strong and and stay in touch but Reds are just a, a force at the moment an absolute force
0: two questions one does McWright just get the seven jersey for this French series if Hooper is staying in Japan
1: like yes yeah he that, he's playing more question? like it's Hooper as like- well
0: Well, he's playing like Hooper like five years ago. Like he's in... At
2: Hooper at his best, he's playing. He's dominating all the stats as well across the Australian competition. Um, Tackles, turnovers. And I think he's got... Yeah, he's all just even like metres after contact in in carries he's making. And and for a guy of his size, and I think he'll develop into his frame as well. I think he'll get better um, because I think... Last year, he was a little bit more like the way Tizano was playing, just in everything and less particular about what he was doing. Whereas this year, he's a lot more intentional and he holds back in certain areas. He doesn't kind of exert energy where he doesn't need to. So I think he's so he's so particular in what he's doing now that it's just working and he looks on form. And I think Hooper, you know, I, I still think if Hooper came back, McGride in this type of form, do you reckon, probably you have to Hooper, pick him over Hooper. Do you reckon Hooper might regret leaving? Well, I don't know. I mean, he probably needed actually, a break. Probably not. He signed a five-year deal with with Australian rugby for close to, wasn't it? Million a Million a year. It's yeah. it like Getting Getting more money in Japan. But his body's been through a lot. And in Japan, you get to come off the bench occasionally. Like, there is a lot more control over your workload. Whereas if he was playing for the Waratahs, he wouldn't be taking a week off. Um, And I'm not sure he'd be able to shine through as much given the team that they have there. So Hooper probably, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing if he was even to sit out the French series, I think that would be really good for McGrath.
0: Question number two, who is going to be the starting hooker? Who's going to get first shot at the number two jersey for the Wallabies? Because you... You now have BPA starting for the Reds. You have Falafanga starting for the Brumbies. You have ULAC starting for the Rebels. You only have Kaitu as being the only starting person that's part of that national interest squad. Parecki. Parecki, I guess. Yeah,
1: Parecki. I don't think it's Preki, but he's in the squad too, right? And he's a starter.
2: Um, I don't... There's... It's a weird set of selections by Rennie. I yeah. still think it's, do you, it's strange. Do you think,
0: do you think it's going to change before, like, the actual Wallaby squad? Do you? Yeah, think that I Flau think it'll will change dramatically.
2: Yeah. Don't know if he'll start, but I think he'll be in the 23.
0: Okay.
1: Who, Parecki or two? No, no, I
2: don't. No, no, no. Oh, I don't he's think he'll be in Flau. the 23. Filafang.
1: I think Filafang has got to be in there, and maybe it's Marfi, but it's... Probably only because the Reds are on such a tear. Like, I think just, it's BPA, be Mafia, playing yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel it's like personal. it's a
2: relatively clear cut. And it depends what you're picking your hooker for, because BPA is probably the strongest str- scrummager. In terms of work rate, I don't know. It's probably not Flanger. I think that's probably been a bit of a knock on him, his work rate. Um, Parecki is probably the guy with the work rate. So, what are you lo- selecting for? Line out throwing scrummaging or you just want the whole package and probably all of those hookers are probably lacking in one of those areas, which is probably kind of the issue that Rennie has.
0: Well, what what do you want most in your hooker? Do you care more about your loose play or do you care more about your set piece? I think set piece.
1: You've got to, you've got to look at certain positions as you know, these guys need to execute some skills consistently for our game to build, for us to build phases, for us to have a solid set piece, so hooker is obviously one of them. You, he's got to be able to throw straight consistently in the lineouts. He's got to be able to scrummage and and hold up the front row, um, similar to scrum half, which I bang on about previously. Like the guy's got to be able to pass. He's got to be able to put the ball on the on the first receiver's chest, ninety nine out of a hundred times. Funny
0: about Powell just doing that and not doing anything more.
1: No, no, no. I wasn't complaining about Powell only being able to do that. I was saying, why, why aren't they giving him more opportunities to do more? Because he's because he's doing it really well. And I know Powell can do more. So I wanted to see it more of a you know team building opportunities. And you know, maybe he's not getting encouraged to do more sniping. He's being told okay. just get the ball to Tamua, which I thought was ridiculous. He clearly is capable of more. But th- that's the other one. You know, the scrum half needs to do that before you pick a scrum half who's um, you know great at pilfering or, um, you know, can, can kick for like, can, can cover your fullback and kick like has a big boot on him or something. Like you want passing, you want box kicking. Um, so you what, know, you, so what you're saying is you
0: don't want a halfback that is really good at playing wing because apparently that's what the rebels have in Frank Lamani. Uh, yeah. uh, they have the, the Fijian international halfback. They put oh, him on the wing and he actually the rest of the team pretty much, like sets up a try,
2: scores a try of his own and is just making breaks left who's right, right. Who does that remind you of, though? A certain Brumbies scrum half, perhaps? Isaac Isaac
0: uh, oh, Francois Ocard, uh, International Springboks.
2: Yeah, uh, well, it's a bit different than putting Nick Phipps on the wing, that's for sure. Really? I mean, these guys yeah. have real, real ability in terms of running the ball. But, yeah, I think going back to Hooker, Look, these
1: or the well, not the
2: intangible set piece is the most important thing, particularly when you have a prop like Taniela Tupo, who is most likely going to be starting the way he carries the ball. You don't he need tries. a Dane Coles hooker like prospect necessarily. I'd rather have someone that's nailing the scrum, yeah. nailing every line out throw.
1: Yeah, back on the back on the mall, um, controlling that yeah, play. Exactly. Because if if they're doing that for you. You, you will find those other pieces elsewhere. Or if you're lucky, you will have one of the world's best hookers and you get that as well. So like you, I think you've got to pick the guy with the fundamentals that are going to support all the rest of your play.
0: Quickly going to next week, because we have a bit to talk about with um, Japan and Major League Rugby this week. Rebels Force Friday night down in Amy Park again.
1: Big game. Big game. Force need to to right the wrong of of the Perth match between these two teams and get a win. And it's a big ask. But they've had the week off. They've had time to prepare. I uh, do I think they've got one more win in them? Yeah. Yes. I reckon they've got one more win in them. Um I it's hard to see them getting getting that against the rebels. I think they're probably more likely to get the Tars when they come to Perth. But um, look, I think this is a really even game. I think it's probably going to be quite tight.
0: It's insane that I think that the Rebels and Reds are going to be tight. And yes, it didn't end up being it. But then I see the Reds, uh, the Rebels and the Force, and I'm like, that's going to be tight too. I guess, I, don't, I guess it's just like the different ways that some of these teams play and how they match up together.
1: But I think that's the, the Rebels. Like the Rebels have been such a high-impact team early just just in defensive pressure and aggression and physicality and they've they've we talked about them playing to the level of their opposition. Yeah, they can have yeah, good days right. and bad days. They yeah. just try and they try and you know suppress the opposition early and turn it into a grind because I don't think they're a flamboyant attacking team for the most part. They have their moments but generally they're they're trying to just accumulate. So they turn every game into an accumulation as whether you have a Reds game and you break out of that and just blow them off the park force them to chase. You know, can the force break through that? They have the capacity to do it, but I think they're a lot less likely than the Reds. So, the Reds game, I thought it would be closer with a Reds win. This is going to be close with probably a Rebels win.
2: I think the potency of the Reds probably, maybe you underestimate Archie from previous seasons where they weren't as flamboyant and prevalent with their scoring. You know, this season they've scored 40 points four times in a game, whereas the force, for example, Top top amount of points they've scored in a game is nineteen. So that's a bit of an issue for yeah, them. Yeah, that makes sense I think sense. that's where so it's that gonna it's gonna issue. hit them. I think the rebels will just have a tendency to strangle the game, accumulate points. Maybe they'll score just one try, but it might be, you know, a 20, 25 to fifteen sort of game. And force is really like the shine is gonna come off this season if they don't finish well here. Um you know, the Waratahs are one thing back in Perth. The Waratahs could easily, they have the week off. They have a lot of time to prepare for their yeah. next game with a bit of ascendancy and confidence. Um, yeah, it's a huge one for the force. And I think the Rebels should get this done. I mean, if they're, if they're—if if they're kind of, they need to score some points like they did in the middle kind of part of the season, they probably shouldn't go back to just that, you know, three-point game that they were kind of, At the start of the season, they were using, but that's might they might just need that, that might just be all they need to get this done. Um, So, I'm
0: still waiting for the force to actually click because I think there's going to be a week where they just click together. And obviously, they've had all this experience. If they find that sort of niche where they all click together, I think you're going to see a standout performance. But is it this week? I don't know. I don't know if the Rebels just solid defense is probably not going to be the one that's going to let them just keep going. The other game in Australia, before you go to Super Rugby is obviously the Reds and the Brumbies. And this is up at Suncorp. And obviously, amazing game down at GIO. Last time these guys came together um, back in round three of this competition, with obviously Reds getting over right at the end. Some amazing hands um, from Jordan Patea after that Hunter plus kick. Where do you think, like, have the Reds put themselves above the Brumbies here? Obviously, the Brumbies were a bit close with the Waratahs on the weekend, but this is obviously, like, the, the focus of their competition right now. Like, they want to they show that they are not going to be easy beats this week or in the finals.
1: I, I think the Brumbies are a very good team, but I think they've still got their prop injury woes. Which is going to be really difficult against the Reds because the scrum will become a big piece of the Reds' um, attacking platform, and if they get dominance early at Suncorp, player for player, uh, it's a pretty good match. Uh, Reds versus Brumbies, and and the Reds have just they've, they've got the confidence now they've beaten the Brumbies down their way. Brumbies coming to their house, I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're going to be feeling anxious. I think they're going to be feeling keen. Keen to put two on them and really make the point that they're the top dogs this season.
2: Mm. I mean, huge game again. Just this is the premier matchup in the competition, and it's hard. I, I'm almost it's feeling suddenly, the Brumbies a little certainly. bit. I think it is really difficult. Tom Cusack with the red card as well, so I assume he's missing this week at least. Jerome Brown, I I probably Jerome still Brown out. Back. So someone needs to, I think, I don't know if he's back or not, but otherwise someone should be on the phone to Bill Miller because they, they're <laughs> going to need a seven um, unless you want to do some shifting with Pete Simon going into there. But I think the Fords is just with the, with those few players out, maybe for the Brumbies, the Reds might be able to control a game in that area. I think actually the back line on their best best ad, probably take the Brumbies back line over the Reds. Um, in its current form. And given the cohesion they have, Tom Wright back, I think,
1: you know, yeah, maybe they're slightly more,
2: slightly better. Tom Wright makes it uh, exciting. Last
0: last time you guys said the Reds had more potency in the back line.
2: Oh, I yeah, think they do. It's changed now. Yeah. And Bryce Hegarty, particularly if you play him, I think I don't like the look of that Reds back line as much.
1: So and interesting you're to say actually paisami matchup.
2: Maybe. You might get it, yeah, if he stays at
1: 13. Yeah, be, buddy. So is Ketan going to be as um, as dominant? Like, he, he didn't dominate the Reds last time, but he was still a really strong player had a good game. But is is putting Hunter on him likely to quieten him down, fewer line breaks, more more contact, harder to hit the game line? Um, and then, I guess, because Simone hasn't been a line-breaking um bull runner of a 12 can Amy Stewart manage him like it's yeah. different. it's a change to that that line and then suddenly you know it's patea versus tom wright isn't it so
2: yeah, which i think tom wright has the upper hand But happen. i think the brumbies the brumbies centers against the tars weren't particularly good they'll be looking no. to improve from that that's, i thought that were a bit disappointing he Towers probably never that's, that's still the world
0: to shut down the reds and the brumbies centers
2: yeah, strange because obviously different combinations there, and for Keddie probably had his best game in a Waratahs jersey. That that's, that's probably two weeks him in a row and, row You've said that. I'm not sure I said that two weeks ago, but I mean no, I he's. I think we did. I think, makes a real difference, um, but the Brumbies look. I I think I would take the Brumbies by a couple of points. You're tipping the Brumbies. And that's. I think I'm going to tip the Brumbies. Um, and they're almost going to have that one for one, one and one, and go into the the final again as a rematch. I mean that ma-
0: does make it an exciting competition. SunCorp's
1: hard to win at, so
0: yeah, it's definitely a t- it's a tough ask.
1: But also, undefeated seasons, regular seasons are so rare. It's exactly, kind of at, we, we said, we said the same the thing about GIO,
0: pick-up. right? We said the same thing yeah. about GIO is a, a fortress. You can't win down there. Hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the Reds have been breaking these. Records and these hoodoos all year, surely it's game right? they' probably got to have a little bit of a slip up, but i it's really hard to call <laughs> it's really hard to call, right. maybe all some right. people would argue suncolp just gives them the edge
1: I'll just also but throw in there it's it's a forecast to be a warm day, dry track, no rain, so
0: bit of dew then on the ground. yeah it's not
1: going to turn oh, into a, a wet ball grind. Um, I think the Brummers. Hopefully, yeah, it's plenty of points. Yeah. yeah it was 40 that's right. 38 well, last time, wasn't
0: 70? it? Yeah. So it's going to be a great, spectacle. great competition between that. That's right. Um, in New Zealand, Saturday evening, you've got the Highlanders hosting the Chiefs. Obviously, the Highlanders took this the first time around. Since then, the Chiefs obviously taken down the Blues, they've taken down the Hurricanes. Um, they're looking. They're looking strong, and they've they've um, obviously lost Sam Kane, but they've got a lot of promise about this team. And then you have the Hurricanes hosting the Crusaders, um, bottom of the table versus top of the table. There, so what are you thinking here, boys?
1: Well, to to jump to the second game, I don't think the Crusaders lose two in a row. So it's a sad it's a sad week to be the Hurricanes because I think it's going to be pretty pretty small. Window of opportunity to beat the Crusaders, um, but the Highlanders, like again, coming off a Crusaders win, that's that's going to be like such a, a high of emotions. Um, I think they're right to get upset by the Chiefs at home. I don't. I think the Chiefs are the better team, um, and that would be two uh, that was games probably...
0: the Highlanders lose at home. Though, how often does that happen? That doesn't much yeah. happen that often.
1: I just don't think there's that much magic in the in the Highlanders that they can they can back it up like that's they'll they'll still be coming down on the backside of that adrenaline of, of a win. Um, I think the Chiefs, even without Sam Kane, are just building um, not so much nicely this season. Like obviously a bad start, but they're fe- starting to find um, a few games and they're coming off a buy. They're they're set up now to to really to really punch through some of these lower ranked teams. And I don't think it matters if they're home in a way, New Zealand's a small place, right?
2: Yeah. I think, look, I have some sort of feeling like the chiefs are going to continue, you know, climbing the ranks a little bit. That's, I think they've got two wins in a row now. They've had the buy, I think they'll come in with a third. Um, and then the crusaders, I think they have one major slip up per year and it's, it's generally against like a Rebels or a TARS team at home and no one sees it coming. I think this was their game that, you know, maybe they were a little bit too relaxed for and this will set set them back straight up to the path to, to glory for another title, um, at least in the Arturoa competition. So I think you'll see a pretty big reaction from Scotty Robertson's team. And although the Hurricanes are a decent side, I think, yeah, whether it's home or away, I think the Crusades are too good.
0: Yeah, I gotta agree with you, boys, there. Um, let's jump across. Let's go a bit of a different tack here and go across to the U.S. And Major League, we had a bit of a condensed round this weekend. We had New England taking down Utah by one 22-21. Toronto, my boys, finally got a win this year in round 3, 40-19, taking down um, D.C. The Austin Gilgronies taking down Houston 26-0. And then Atlanta FC took down the San Diego Legion, and I think Leo, you actually um, were present down in the press conference at the end of this one um, to to see what actually what MLR is actually aiming for um, in this competition and what Atlanta w- wants to accomplish here.
1: Yeah, we uh, we did uh, get in contact with someone from the media team at Atlanta Rugby. Uh, it was really interesting to see the way they they run their press conferences it's obviously all all digital lots of people dialing in from all over the country and a little old me dialing in from australia um but no really really professional process uh we got to speak to the coach we got to speak to a couple of the players um and without without going into all the detail like the the sense i get i I got to ask the coach a question got to ask the players a question and both both questions asked were focused around you know what what makes, um, you know, what is your team about? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and what's different about Major League Rugby? Or what makes it exciting as a player? Uh, what are you trying to achieve as a coach? And the answers were, interestingly, that you know, put to the coach, put to the players in two separate kind of little series of, of press conference. So they didn't hear each other's answers. But both answers were definitely uh, bigger highlighting the amount of excitement and the, the the dynamic style they're trying to play. So um, the coach wasn't wasn't too focused on one style of play. Didn't want to see his team as you know set piece grinders. Didn't want to see them as just you know carefree uh, flamboyant um, attacking monsters. That so it's about a well rounded game, but the focus is definitely on scoring points. And and a lot of the event itself on game day from the players, it sounds like they're they do put on a big show. It's not just a game of rugby. There's halftime, there's pregame, there's, you know, all the kind of um, tapestry and and bells and whistles that you get with American sport. Um, so it's it's definitely a product that's forming up in the States as, um, you know, a big entertainment spectacle. And the players seem to like it. They really like the, the major league environment coming over from Europe. Um, they say it's really professional. It's really, you know, the facilities are, are immaculate. Um, they've got everything they need, even in this young competition. The facilities are just, you know, well and truly um, well-developed. So, you know, it, it just, it sounds like there's a really good base of support um, from the, from the, the major league rugby franchise itself, but also the overall competition. They've, they've got a clear mandate, make this exciting Um, Let's get some eyeballs on these games. And uh, the question I didn't get to ask, unfortunately, was about where the next recruitment channels are going to be, uh, which is if we get another chance in a press conference, definitely be seeing if anyone's going to emulate the uh, Giltini's um, recruitment Mm -hmm. style, which is grab all those ex-Australian players and rack up some points because that seems to be working for them.
0: And Toby's currently showing us the LA Giltini's jersey Um, the black and pink edition, which, have you bought one yet, man?
1: You're muted.
2: Yeah, it's still on pre-order, but look, it's a pretty hot jersey. I think you'd have to agree. That's interesting design. I think they're going for more of a, you know, neon kind of style there. That's the away jersey, but. Interesting to see. They've just launched, I think, properly their shop mlr.com. So you can actually jump on there and order a few of the jerseys, maybe pay, pay a bit of a premium for the shipping. Um, but they're going for about 90 US, so that's probably equivalent to what you'd pay for a Waratahs jersey in Sydney, something like that, around the $150 mark or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think MLR's building. We, we talked about this. I think the more and more we get these, these notable players into the competition, the more attention and more eyes are going to be on this. And I think someone like Stan Sport would be probably wise to invest in some sort of coverage down the track and kind of match what they're doing with the top league.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. This is this is where the future is. In it. And we're still waiting to see whether some sort of Hawaiian team is going to enter MLR or potentially even Super Rugby within the New Zealand competition. They keep talking about it. They obviously have backing um, from previous sort of players as well so it's, it's interesting to see and top league is still carrying on and it's heating up and I mean like it's really coming down to some of these these top teams and we keep mentioning this Suntory Goliath, Capota Spears, Toyota Verblitz and that's in the conference red and then conference white you have the Wild Knights and Kobe Steel. Um, and you had like you had these big names, you had Bernard Foley and Bowden Barrett facing off. This was a pretty much a New Zealand versus Australia, almost like sort of feeling to it. And especially when you have um, uh, Bernard Foley getting red card for a hit on Bowden Barrett in this one,
1: yeah, it was a um, it was well, the way it was wrapped by the commentators early on, that's it's like there was a contract out on Bowden and. Uh, Bernard Foley was the biggest enemy on the park, but um, uh, it's, it was a maybe a sloppy contest, jumping to to try and block a kick, and then just following through in the air with with a braced shoulder, uh, pretty much smacking Bowden right in the head, and he lay down for a bit, and <laughs> and yeah, wore it. Um, I don't know, maybe Foley, maybe Foley owed him something, but yeah, I mean. There's, there's, we t- we talk about top league and how it's um it's definitely not at the same intensity as Atsuro and Super OBAU, but there's there's still some pretty fierce competitors in this competition, and you do get a lot of good one-on-one stuff. It's not always red carded stuff, but it's you know mm. it's it's you know they're there to play, they're there to win, they're they're there you know creating their their persona driving their reputation and, and, you know, they're still the big dogs in the competition. They, they're not going to uh, go easy on each other by any means.
0: Absolutely. And then you have things like Shoot Shield kicking off and um, the Hospital Cup up in Queensland. Again, a couple of competitions that you're going to see um, lots of coverage on on stand Sport. So, I mean, it just seems like every week we're getting more and more. And then, you're going to be leading up to more and more news about the British and Irish Lions being put together. Obviously, July is where we're focusing in to get some internationals playing with France coming to Australia with the British and Irish Lions at the moment, looking like they are still going to be in South Africa. Um, It's it's getting to exciting times already, and and every moment, every week brings new storylines into this game, it feels like.
2: And it's just a note. I think Shoot Shield every game is live on Stan Sport, which I think is pretty impressive and a bit of a milestone for the club rugby scene. Obviously, that's been covered, I think, more privately in the past in terms of streaming, and now it's like coming into the game mainstream. A week
0: on something free to win, and now it's
2: yeah. I think Fox was doing that last year, but now every single game, at least for the time being, um, and I think that's the same for the the Queensland competition. So you can jump on stand and, and watch that as at your leisure so you have got six games of shoot shield to look at if you want to
0: absolutely and you're really filling up a weekend now if you add that to super rugby au aotearoa plus the top league games they just need to add in the mlr and you can literally have it running 24/7 and you have a proper rugby channel going on there but it, it's absolutely great to see and i think we're we're just seeing a new we're seeing a post covid rebirth of rugby internationally I really feel like it's just going to get bigger and bigger and you see these competitions getting bigger and suddenly we're going to have that sort of same model as Europe with that sort of Pro 14 league where where you do get some of the top teams from these different competitions coming together and playing something in the future. I do see that coming, happening in the next five years, absolutely. That's all from us this week, guys. Um, Make sure you are keeping up in touch. Obviously, we put up those highlights and a few of those teams. Make sure you're picking your tips on our Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter and make sure you've pressed that little subscribe button um, wherever you come and download and listen to this podcast. But great to have you on board again. We'll be back next week, as we always are. From Leo, Toby and myself, keep on running.
1: Run.